0: How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountains? And boom goes the dynamite. I don't know what we're yelling about! I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. State
1: championship week is here, and it's time for another episode of the Idaho Sports Prepcast presented by Project Filter, episode 12. And we welcome in IdahoSports.com Sport Information Director Matt Harris. We're going to talk. All six state championship games, some of the things that happened last week, and preview what is ahead. We'll even talk some basketball. Matt, how you doing today?
0: I'm good. How are you, man?
1: Neil, I am raring and ready to go. This is the best time of the year. You got the football state championship games, and then we jump right in to what I think is even more fun for me personally, and that's basketball season. I know you're a basketball and hockey guy, too, so this is really coming all full circle here. It's getting cold outside, and uh, best time of the year.
0: Yeah, there's so much stuff going on. I can't exactly – I shouldn't say I can't enjoy it. I can't enjoy it as much as I want to, though, because of all all the stuff happening with state tournaments and the start of seasons and previews and all that good stuff. But you know what? that's the way it goes it is a good time of year
1: you mentioned the previews we're going to be doing basketball conference previews this year the girls preview is going to start coming out early next week and then the boys previews will come out shortly after that so that's a lot of fun but in the meantime we have a lot of football to talk about and it happened last week all over the state of idaho 12 semifinal games and as a result of those 12 games we now have our matchup set for state championships across all six classifications. We'll start with the 5A classification. The semifinals last week, Rocky Mountain all over Cortland 42 to 14 and Highland defeated Mountain View 28 to 18. Matt, you were at Holt Arena for that Highland Mountain View game and boy, the the teams definitely don't like each other. There's not a lot of mystery about that one, but uh, a physical football game and, and Highland just able to come out on top by 10 points in that one.
0: Yeah, it was a physical football game. There was a sense of electricity inside the dome before that game started um, you know regardless of the shenanigans that happened beforehand you know with the posters and stuff like that and we're not going to get into that because that's not our place to talk about it but you know that only added a little fuel to the fire, I guess anyways. Uh, it was a good football game, and it didn't. It, it started out with Highland just kicking butt the whole time, and then Mountain View kind of finally figured out what they needed to do to attack the Highland defense. And I think really a lot of it was, you know, it, it came too little, too late. They ran out of time, and uh, Highland got off to that that sizzling start, twenty-one to six at halftime, and it was uh, just a matter of. Highland being able to make the right adjustments to keep Mountain View at bay.
1: Yeah, and it seems like Landon Namuzio is just had such an impressive season here, especially late as he ran the football 23 times for 146 yards and a touchdown last week. He also is a big factor in the receiving game. But one of the things that you've seen the last couple of weeks with these Highland Rams is they're running the Wildcat. They put Easton Durham back there, and it's a completely different look for the Rams that defenses have to scout up for.
0: Yeah, you know, I've, I've called it the wild ram on our broadcasts, um, and it's it's quite effective. You know, it feels like once they get, uh, once Highland gets really inside the ten, you know, down in the red zone and whatnot, that they start to they bring Easton Durham out and they and they try to catch a defense off guard. And uh, the past couple of times that I've seen them play, I know they ran it against, I believe it was Rigby to end the regular season. I know they ran it against Eagle in the state quarterfinals, and it worked. To perfection, they they had the, uh, the opposing defenses had a tough time slowing it down, and it was really no different um, against Mountain View. Uh, it was the first touchdown of the ball game was to Eastern Durham for the same thing, a two yard run with about 4:38 left in the first quarter. So it was a matter of uh, Mountain View trying to adjust to it, but really, if you think about it, if you come out with some of those, I, I don't know if you want to call them special packages near the goal line, a lot of teams are going to have a tough time stopping that, and you know Mountain View was no different there. But Highland executed it the way that they needed two to to be able to do so it gives them a different look because they know that Kobe Tracy can throw the football he can sling it all over the field but Easton Durham has some wheels on him and he can certainly you know if he needs to get to the, the corner pylon or if he needs to you know outrun his man along the goal line He certainly has the ability to do so.
1: And if there's anybody that can slow down a team here in the state of Idaho, it's the Rocky Mountain Grizzlies, and that's what they did last week in a 42-14 win over Coeur d'Alene. And a lot of it has to do with how much they control the football as well. Nick Romano, three touchdowns, rushing 205 yards. Obviously, you got Garrett Beck and Jackson Paps with interceptions last week in the football game for Rocky Mountain. Their defense, the lowest scoring against average in the state of Idaho in the 5A classification. They come into this game against the Highland Rams and they're looking to do the same thing that they've done to their opponents all year against Highland. It's a tall task, but like I mentioned, you know, Rocky Mountain, they've got a defensive guy as their head coach and Chris Kulig, and now they've got Scott Kreiner as their offensive coordinator, and it seemed to really just all come back together last week as they played their most complete football game since the Eagle game back on October the 4th.
0: Well, and it feels like they've had a lot of uh, blowouts is what it kind of feels like, Sven, and so I, th- I think a question coming in is, you know, are they going to be tested in playing a full four quarters, you know, heading into the state championship game. And I think we got our answer against Coeur d'Alene. And, I mean, a 42-14 to victory, you know, against the number two ranked team in the state, that's pretty dang good, um, even if it is at home, certainly, you know, no matter where where those matchups are at. And I heard that uh, Romano was puking in the trash can in the third quarter. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, he was. He uh, definitely left it all out there, to say the least. he uh, <laughs> it, it was not... Um, the best he's ever felt, but he went out there and still ran for over 200 yards. So if he can do that when he's sick, I, I don't even want to know what he's like when he's 100. Well,
0: that's just that's just tough right there. That's that's being that's being a tough that's being a tough football player and being strong and just realizing you need to come through in the clutch for your teammates. And you know, Rocky Mountain is just a very complete football team. They have a lot of weapons. And like you mentioned, I mean, if there if there is a team. That is going to slow anyone down. It could very well be Rocky Mountain. And I think this state championship game on Saturday morning is going to be very, very, uh, very interesting. It's going to be, can, because we, obviously we talked about Highland's defense last year, right? Led by Tommy Togi, Coleman Farnsworth, among others. They, they only gave up, you know, 10, 11 points per game. Now Rocky Mountain comes in, and they're having the same sort of defense, if not better, than what Highland had last year. It's gonna be a fun game to watch to see how these two teams match up because both of these teams are just so physical they're so football they have that football mentality that they're not going to let anything slow them down this could be a very very physical football game an interesting way to kick off your Saturday certainly
1: yeah and the game last year in the 5A state championship of 14 to 8. Final in that one. Highland defeated Coeur d'Alene. So the Rams are the defending state champions, but they come into this game, and I would say from an outside perspective, they're seen as slight underdogs. And the reason for that, Rocky Mountain is undefeated. We mentioned their defense. They've got a lot of kids that performed well last season as well. And uh, really, for the Rams, it's going to be how can they come in here and wake up in the morning at 10 a.m. is uh, It's never easy. Rocky Mountain's going to wake up, their own beds, they're going to head out there not have to travel anywhere. It's a different story for the Highland Rams. Both these teams are excited to be playing, obviously, at Albertson Stadium here at Boise State, uh, some less than others. But uh, you look at it, and I think that this matchup has the potential to be similar to last year with that low-scoring type style.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things where it's it's – the the odds. I don't want to say the odds are stacked against Highlands, but let's face the facts. They have to travel on the road. They have an early Saturday game. They're not going to be in their own beds. There's. Uh, I heard that their cheerleaders and their band aren't going to be there as well because they had other commitments potentially. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, but I had heard that. I had seen that on social media. There's a lot of things here that, you know, for Highland, they're going to have to go up against the odds. But you know what they're going to do? They're going to use that as fuel for themselves, saying, you know what, it's us against the world, Kind of a, that kind of a feeling uh, that they feel like they're going to have. And plus, I mean, the target is still on their backs as the state champion, so they have to take a little bit of pride knowing that, first of all, that the target is even there because they are the defending state champs. Uh, but they're they're willing to go up against the odds, and you know that they're going to be ready come Saturday morning uh, and for Rocky Mountain, you know, it's a, it's an opportunity for them to not have to travel very far and play in front of a lot of home fans uh, in front in a great venue in in Boise State University at Albertson Stadium. Uh, and it's certainly going to be a, a fun football game, I believe.
1: And Rocky Mountain, their student section is going to have some help, I'm sure, from local SIC schools that want to come out and watch some good football as well. Again, that game is 10 o'clock in the morning. Breakfast on the Blue at Boise State University Albertson Stadium, the site for that one the game that will follow that is the 4a state championship between hillcrest and bishop kelly saturday at one o'clock that is the initially scheduled start time hillcrest got to the state championship they handled dampel last week 41-20 Forty-one to twenty was the final. The game was not that close, and Bishop Kelly defeated Valley View thirty-four to twenty-seven. We'll start with that Hillcrest game, but the Knights, at one point, I believe the score was forty-one to seven in that. Nampa went out, and they got the first touchdown of the game. And uh, after that, Hillcrest was just having absolutely none of it. They completely shut down the Bulldogs in that football game.
0: Well, and I, I was kind of following along with the updates on Twitter to to kind of see what was happening because I was in the middle of calling two games at Holt Arena, so I couldn't, you know, watch it or listen to it or anything like that. But uh, I kept seeing the, the updates coming in, you know, Hillcrest 14-7, Hillcrest 21-7, Hillcrest 28-7. I said, oh boy, here it goes. Because when Hillcrest gets on a roll, I mean, they really get on a roll. It just feels like what point in the game are they going to get on that roll? Uh, I, I say that having having seen... Um, two different sides of it this year. I saw them play Shelly on October the 4th, and it took Hillcrest until after halftime to really get into into full gear and on that role. And I saw them play Bonneville on the Civil War earlier this year, and they had it going right from the opening kick when they led 21-0 after the first quarter. And so for Hillcrest to get on that role and get going, I mean, it's tough to slow them down once they have that. I mean, they rushed for 579 yards on the day that is incredible i don't care what level you're at that is nuts they had 21 rushes that went for 10 yards or more according to the post register uh i mean it's their first state title game in 10 years this is uh this is a team that's very very good under kevin meyer first year head coach at hillcrest and uh they're going to be ready for this football game Sven. i mean uh, as i understand it uh coach meyer took the entire day off on monday just to sit at home and uh study bishop kelly film and come up with ideas. Apparently, he's been doing this since Saturday, right after they won, uh, but this is this is a Hillcrest football team that will be prepared come uh, Saturday afternoon.
1: And the thing that I'm picturing with Coach Meyer is kind of the Friday Night Lights thing with Coach Eric Taylor, where he's just sitting there constantly watching film and not sleeping at night. This guy is a football junkie. He loves it, and you could tell his team has really responded well to him this year. Oakley Hussey last week, 202 yards rushing. Kyle Austin, 160 Trey Henry, 168. These guys are good. They only had to throw the football three times last week, one completion for a grand total of two yards, but... When your run game is as effective as theirs is, um, that makes things very difficult uh, The Knights really what it's going to come down to you know they've lost some key pieces this year. How do they stack up against the, the best out of the best from the four SIC and that is the Bishop Kelly Knights who knocked off Valley View 34 to 27 last week the Knights they lost a ton of players to graduation last year, thirteen of them in fact that were selected as either first team second team or honorable mention all SIC but at the end of the day, they come right back to where you expect them to be, fifth state championship appearance in six years for the Knights.
0: Well, that just goes back to tradition. The saying is tradition never graduates, and uh, that seems to be the case at Bishop Kelly. I mean, you can always count on Tim Brennan and the Bishop Kelly Knights to be in the conversation every single year. You know you're going to get a quality football team that is disciplined on offense and on defense. And, uh, I mean, they, they missed out on the state championship last year. They missed out on being able to be there after Skyline knocked him off in the quarterfinals. And so for them, it's going to be a matter of, okay, we need to get back to where we feel that our program should be every single year. And as you mentioned, you know, five times in six years, that's kind of what we've come to expect from Bishop Kelly overall. And, you know, they're going to have to deal with a heavy dose of the run game first and foremost. Because in last week's contest, you had three players for Hillcrest who rushed for 160 yards or more which is just mind-boggling if you think about it. Oakley Hussey had 202 yards. Kyle Austin had 160. Trey Henry had 168. So, And you know that they're going to be focusing on that run game of Hillcrest. They're going to want to force Hillcrest to try to throw the football. Well, Hillcrest does have that ability. They just choose to run the football. It's a matter of how they're going to, how they're going to force them to do so if they can effectively shut down that run game early on. I really honestly believe that is the biggest key to the ball game, Sven. Can Bishop Kelly shut down the Hillcrest run game? If they can, it gets interesting. If they can't, Hillcrest could see themselves with their first state title in 10 years. But that's just it right there. Uh, I mean, what can you do defensively? Defense wins championships is the saying that you've always, always heard. And I think that's going to play a big factor in this game on Saturday afternoon.
1: And you look at the Bishop Kelly run game, they've got a lot of weapons that Hillcrest needs to be aware of as well. Ian Arolano, Thomas Rizzo, Jackson Hussey, and... uh, or Jackson Husky, excuse me, and Brady King. I was going with the Oakley Hussey from Ilcrest and uh, trying to look at the computer out of the side of my eye here, and I guess I just I can't see that well out of that particular eye apparently, but they all ran uh, for over 68 yards last week. You know They've got a lot of different weapons as well. Their quarterback, Bo Nelson, threw it 11 times, 93 yards and a touchdown. The way that I look at this game, Matt, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think you'll agree with this, but if you look at this game on paper, I think you're probably going to get a combined 15 passes thrown at max between these two teams and the way (laughs) that I look at it is that these teams whichever one gets an early lead if anybody does get an early lead is going to make it a lot more difficult on the opponent because nobody throws if it turns into a 14 point lead for one team or the other it's about over at that point.
0: Yeah, you're going to have to hope that there's some sort of turnover problems to get the football back along that nature. It's going to be a ball control football game. I would absolutely agree with you on that. And that's the thing is, you know, Hillcrest, they don't often line up with three guys in the backfield, you know, behind the quarterback uh, in different various formations. Bishop Kelly does. But it wouldn't surprise me if Hillcrest was like, you know, we're going to, you know what we can do? We can run this. Even more effective with those guys back there, and just basically show Bishop Kelly. All right, if you want to, if you're going to do that to us, we're going to try to do it to you as well. And I think that uh, you know, for Bishop Kelly, again, they like to, they love to run the football. That's what uh, it, that's kind of been their mo since Tim Tim Brennan has been there. Of course, mixing in the pass as well. And this could be a, an interesting game. I think another key to victory in that one is just that fast start, kind of like you mentioned. Get off to a quick start. Don't get off the field quickly. Keep that, uh, keep the opposing defense on the field. Wear them down a little bit. And uh, whoever gets off to that lead, I mean, they're going to have to rely, the other team's going to have to rely on getting some turnovers and uh, forcing some three and outs potentially to try to get that football back because it could be one of those games where it, it has limited possessions. You want to try to stretch out those possessions as far as they can. And, uh, you know, maybe, and this could be it too. I mean, look at who gets the opening coin toss, who wins it and what they want to do with the football. I mean, that could play a factor in it as well, especially if you're trying to stretch out uh, the possessions. Who's going to want to get the football first? Who's going to want to try to strike first? There's so many different things you can look at with this matchup. It's a very intriguing football matchup.
1: And I think that both these games have the potential to be pretty good in the 5A and 4A ranks there at Albertson Stadium on Saturday, 10 o'clock and 1 o'clock. For the kickoff games, another one that I know we've had circled for a long time. We looked at the bracket at the beginning, and we thought we might get this, and it turned out to be just the case. Sugar Salem's going to play Homedale on Saturday at one o'clock from Middleton High School. Sugar Salem handled Kimberly fifty-six to twenty-seven, and Homedale knocked off Timberlake thirty-five to twenty in a tough game up there in a little bit of conditions. Sugar Salem, Kimberly—that's the game I want to start with. You were at that one and you kind of saw what made it work for the diggers to get that victory
0: well first of all i'd say it's resiliency because the the game started about as poorly as you could have was with, with sam parkinson fumbling the football twice in the first three minutes of the ball game deep in their own territory i mean kimberly got the football in sugar salem territory the first time right around the 20 if i remember correctly and the second time um around 35 40 yard line in that area and it, it, from a perspective of getting off to a fast start that's about the worst you could start off at but it's interesting because they forced kimberly uh to a three and out or excuse me to a a fourth four and out because they they forced a turnover on downs and then kimberly missed a field goal on the second opportunity so if you think about it it was a missed opportunity for kimberly and it, it didn't hurt sugar salem in any way shape or form those fumbles didn't but then they got the offense rolling, and then it got rolling in a big, big manner. And if this, this game could have been over by halftime. It very well could have. Uh, if it had not been for a Blake Phillips 100-yard interception return for a touchdown by Kimberly near the go- uh, right around the goal line area, uh, it was one of those things where Sugar Salem, they, they were resilient on defense, they stuck to their assignment-oriented football, and they, got, they were able to slow down Kimberly in the end. Um, you know, overall on defense, but the offense showed up to play in a major way overall. I mean, you look at uh, Sugar Salem's Tanner Harris. Okay, Sugar Salem, in the past few years, they've been run, 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 run. Maybe we'll think about passing. That's kind of what they wanted to do. They didn't really have a natural quarterback. Well, Tanner Harris comes in to, uh, into the game on Saturday, goes 11 of 13 passing for 315 yards and three touchdowns, plus that pick six that was uh, mentioned earlier. And then you go to uh, the run game as well. Kyle Ostermiller miller had 122 rushing, rushing yards with two touchdowns. Sam Parkinson had uh, tw- only 12 rushing yards, but also had a touchdown as well. Uh, Hadley Miller, seven rushing attempts for 75 yards. It felt like every single time that Sugar Salem had the football, on first down they were gaining five, six, seven yards, if not more. And for Kimberly, they were having to play catch-up from behind almost the entire game, and that spends extra energy first of all but it can also be mentally draining knowing that you're still behind still behind still behind and you, you think oh I gotta get all you know 21 points back in this possession when you can't physically do that and for Sugar Salem is, they got the lead and they kept the pedal to the metal the entire game
1: and two things stood out to me in this game first off you look at McCade Huff for Kimberly he was held to do 17 yards rushing this is a kid that has absolutely lit it up all year on the ground and the second thing was what you mentioned with Tanner Harris, 11 for 13 for 315 yards and three touchdowns passing. Uh, don't tell me that Sugar Salem doesn't have a passing game, because obviously they do. This week showed that.
0: Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, and going back to McCade Huff, that was one of the, the key matchups that I was uh, I was looking at heading into the ball game, and it was listed as a key to victory in our pregame show for uh, Sugar Salem that they had to slow him down, because McCade Huff was the one who really helped get Kimberly to that spot in the state semifinals and lifting them past fruitland if you remember the final drive between kimberly and fruitland mccade huff had 12 of 14 uh, he was the run, he was the runner on 12 of 14 plays during that final drive which uh, ended with them scoring with no time left on the clock to beat fruitland and I, and i figured you know if, if sugar salem slows him down in the run game they're definitely going to have a chance because he is the one that really gets things going. And he had 16 of those yards at halftime, of those rushing yards. Now, to, to that point, I mean, I only had finished with 17, but they hardly ran, Kimberly hardly ran the football in the second half because they were trying to come back. They were trying to use uh, the, the arm of Braxton Hammond to get him back into it. And, and to McKay Huff's credit, he got four passes for 96 yards. But for the, for the most part, he was shut down in that contest and i think and i, I feel like uh, for sugar salem they achieved that and they realized you know what if we can stop him we can stop the rest of the Kimberly off uh, of the kimberley offense and they did that they went ahead and really shut them down uh, there was uh, there was a lot of spectacular and good plays in this ball game most of them coming from sugar salem some of them for Kimberly, though they, you know it's not like sugar salem shut them out or anything like that they still allowed 27 points but that being said uh, you know the 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 fact that the defense did its primary job of shutting down McCade Huff and the offense did an outstanding job of of really putting the putting the heat on the Kimberly defense that's what propelled them to the title game
1: and somebody that was not slowed down last week was Mason Kinchlow of Holmdale. 298 rushing yards and three touchdowns in a 35 to 20 win up north at Timberlake. It's the first 3A state title appearance in school history for Homedale, which has won eight state titles in other classifications. What a job there by Matt Holtry and his coaching staff this season.
0: Well, it wasn't easy conditions by any means to uh, travel to Timberlake and to Spirit Lake and to play because from the pictures we saw, it looked like it was a complete whiteout there on the field, and which can make, you, which can make your game a little bit uh, more difficult, too. And I, I, had to, I had the opportunity to see Homedale uh, play last year when they played at West Jefferson. It was a Saturday game. And West Jefferson beat them in that contest. And I came into that one looking at that game saying, you know, I feel like Homedale, they have the right pieces in place that if they were able to uh, finagle them the way that they want to, they can make a run in 3A in 2018. And sure sure enough, that's the case. I mean, they've gone undefeated so far. Uh, they've blown out a lot of teams. You know, Timberlake gave them a test uh, up north, you know, with the, the, with the tough conditions and whatnot. But they 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 adjusted their game to make sure that they could have an opportunity to win the game. They didn't just say, "Well, our game's going to work no matter what." They adjusted it according to the conditions and did what they needed to do. And Kinchelow was a standout in that ball game, and he's going to be certainly a big focus within the offense uh, for Homedale, just like just like uh, McCade Huff was for Kimberly last week. You know, and trying to get him going, and you know that Sugar Salem's going to be paying attention to that.
1: And the thing that I am excited to see, both these teams are going to play in good conditions on Saturday. It's a turf field at Middleton. There there shouldn't be a lot that they have to worry about. They should be able to go out there and play their brand of football, which is always a nice thing to see here in the middle of November, uh, teams be able to get a nice facility like that, and that'll open up Homedale a whole lot more. I think that last week, is good experience for that team to play a close game as they've blown the doors off everybody they've played this year. So to finally have that somewhat tight game is really something that's going to be beneficial to them this week against a really tough Sugar Salem team. But you look at what Homedale can do when the conditions are good. They've got Daniel Uranga that can throw it. They've got Carson Brown that can receive it. They're big and tough already on the offensive and defensive lines. Very physical football team. Their defensive secondary is good. I'm interested to see how the Sugar Salem wide receivers match up against their defensive backfield. I think both these teams are going to run the ball at will because they've done it all year. I don't think that anybody slowed them down hardly at all, and I don't think that they're going to be able to slow each other down either. It's going to come down to who can throw the ball better, I think, here this week.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with you. And having seen some of the plays that Sugar Salem's receivers made uh, on Saturday, and plus in previous games that we've covered of theirs, uh, they they've got some they've got some standouts at wide receiver. You got one player to look for is Jerome Rahari. He was our player of the uh, of the game on Saturday. Uh, he is an incredible leaper. Uh, he missed half the season with a broken thumb. He's back now. He's healthy, but he made some incredible catches in spots where. Uh, Sugar Salem should have lost major yardage, or even there was one that uh, should have been a safety in the end zone, and Tanner Harris just kind of lofted it out while losing his footing, and somehow Rahari went up there and caught it and reeled it in. Uh, he's, a, he's a key receiver for them as well. I mean, a lot of the guys that are going to run the football, they're also available uh, at receiver, Hadley Miller being another one as well. Um, I think that uh, another key for this game, Sven, is going to be the battle on the line. Uh, who wins the line of scrimmage? Because both of these teams are extremely physical. Whoever can establish the the, the be dom- the, the most dominant, I should say. Let's let's put it that way. Whoever can be the most dominant on the line of scrimmage is going to win this football game. That's what it's going to boil down to.
1: Yeah, and I think that this one will be one of the better state championship games to watch coming up on Saturday at 1 o'clock. Reminder, we will have photographers at each one of these games. We'll also have live and free audio broadcasts. Matt's going to be at the 2A, 1A, D1, and 1A, D2 games. We'll have Paul Kingsbury and Clay Hatfield at the 3A. And myself and Lucas Kebhart will have 4A and 5A coverage for you coming up this weekend. Well, we're going to take another break and come back and talk about the rest of the three classifications, 2A, 1A-D-1 and 1A-D-2. It's Seattle Sports PrepCast presented by Project Filter.
0: My name's Jerry, and I smoke
1: for 30-plus years. I was elk hunting. My left arm and my left leg started tingling on me. I nearly died, and it was enough to
0: wake me up. You know, being on the top side of the grass is a good alternative to smoking. I still hunt, and now it's getting time where the grandkids are going to start going,
1: and I want to be there for that. Call 1-800-QUIT-NOW or visit
0: ProjectFilter.org. Cable One brings high-speed internet to the greatest town on earth, yours. Now you can get up to 100 megs for just $45 a month for six months. No deposit, no contract. Enjoy faster downloads, better streaming, up to 100 megs, $45 a month for six months. Connecting is easy. Call 877-687-1427 or visit cable1.net today. Restrictions apply. Call cable1 for details. Don't worry, honey. You know how the media sensationalizes everything. play to win the game. I thought that would be big news. You thought what would be big news?
1: Three more state championship football games to discuss here on the Idaho Sports Prepcast presented by Project Filter. Matt Harris still our guest on the phone line and Matt this is a classification you've seen a lot of teams play this year. The 2A ranks it'll be Deklo taking on the North Fremont Huskies here in the state championship game coming up on Friday at 5 30 from Holt Arena in Pocatello. Deklo Defeated Westside sixty-one to twenty-eight last week. Grangeville all over North Fremont by a final score of fifty-seven to twenty-eight. So you look at this game. Uh, both teams obviously have a lot of offensive firepower. Not going to be easy to slow down either side.
0: Not at all. I mean, this is. A, I mean, it's a battle of undefeated teams. First of all, uh, not too often that you get that in the state championship game. But it's certainly uh, going to be a fun, fun. Uh, Factor is just looking at it from that aspect that both teams are undefeated, but then seeing how the styles of play match up as well. I mean, you look at Deklo; everyone just thinks, "Oh, it's Keegan Duncan." No, no, it's more than Keegan Duncan. First of all, you have the extremely physical offensive line, and, and then you've got McCabe Shears at quarterback, the orchestrator of it all. You've got Nathan Duke and Sam Mallory who chip in in the run game. Uh, you've got uh, Ben Fuentes, at wide receiver who does a lot for the Hornets. I mean, there's so much. Like Deklo is a good team even without keegan duncan then you add him into into the mix and uh, it they they take it to another level as seen with his seven touchdowns last week he had five uh, rushing touchdowns he threw a touchdown pass and caught a touchdown pass as well then on the opposite side you look at north fremont this is a team that for the last four years they've been kind of stuck at six and four six and four five and four six and four kind of right in that area and last year they lost their quarterback garrett hawks to an ankle injury on the first play of the game against salmon in conference play and that kind of really did them in because they didn't have a ton of experience at quarterback. Well, this year they bring back literally everyone from last year's team that played at all, and they you, you've seen how efficiently they run the the triple option, their, their option attack. It is just fun to watch that football team play because you don't know where the football is going. You know that it's, it's kind of like the Stockton Malone pick and roll from back in the day. You know it's coming, you just don't quite know how to stop it, and that's what's going to be the, the interesting contrast here, because No one one has really had an easy time slowing down North Fremont this year. Can Declos' defense slow them down? On the opposite side, who can slow down Declos' offense? So there's just so many storylines going into this game.
1: And if, if somebody has been completely living under a rock this year in Idaho and has no idea about either of these two teams, Keegan Duncan is a Boise State commit. He had seven touchdowns last week, you mentioned. He was well over... Uh, 400. Well, you got 234 rushing yards. We'll just give you the numbers. 119 receiving yards, even through for 36 yards. He does returns for them. He plays defense. And then you've got Garrett Hawks for North Fremont. And he goes big as well. At 228 rushing yards last week if you look at the 2A classification and again if people have been under rocks and they don't know this, these are probably the two best athletes in 2A all across the state and that kind of goes together for all sports as both play basketball as well. This is just one of those matchups that you're really excited to kind of see those two players, but then you got to remember boy there's a lot of other good things happening here today you talk about Declo and some of their other key pieces north fremont has Rigan accordingly who ran for a big yardage total last week of 185 yards blake oberhansley had 150 these guys we mentioned hillcrest total of 579 north fremont almost eclipsed that they had 575 last week i really like this matchup and even you go even further we'll even analyze it even more Ben Lenz, the current head coach of North Fremont, the last time that North Fremont played in a state title game was 1989. Guess who was on the team? Ben Lenz. So there's a lot going on in this game.
0: And so was his assistant coach Shannon Hill, who's also the boys basketball coach at North Fremont. And so I mean, there's there's a ton going on in this football game. All sorts of storylines. But and you know, for North Fremont, a lot of people will say, okay, they run they run the option, and Garrett Hawks is the man for them, who, who under center, who kind of orchestrates everything. Well, who else stands out for them? You kind of mentioned Blake Oberhansley and Riggin Cordingly as well. But you got to look at guys like Bryson Fisher. you got to look at guys like Luke Hill or Chris Hansen. Those guys who don't get as, as much action, but they play just as key, as key or pivotal of a role. But another thing to look at, though, is the, the lines for both of these teams. The offensive lines for these teams are really what gets them going. If you don't have excellent blocking – you're not going to have any sort of a run game. And that's especially true in an option offense like with what North Fremont has. And so for them to be able to have that amount of quality blocking that they have, you know, you look at guys like Drew Hill on the line or Rafael Rivas or Jordan Hess, all those, sort of, all those guys on the line. I'm sure I missed a few there. Uh, Legend Curbs, Bracken um, they What they do is they help set the tone. And kind of like we mentioned with the, with the 3A Uh, state championship preview. I really think a lot of this is going to come down to who can establish dominance on the line of scrimmage. If one team does it more than the other, they're going to have an increased chance of winning that ball game. If it's kind of even, boy, it it could be a very interesting football game. I think it's going to be an interesting football game regardless. You know, both these teams are so well coached uh, and they, they, I mean, obviously Declan has a little bit more playoff experience than North Fremont does, but I mean, you don't make it to the state championship game just purely on previous experience. You make it on talent, you make it on coaching, you make it on smart decisions and both these teams are as good as it gets.
1: And that 2A state championship game is the first of a doubleheader there on Friday at Holt Arena. Again, that game is at 530. The game that follows it is the 1A D1 state championship game between the Oakley Hornets and the Valley Vikings, a rematch of a game earlier this year where Valley handled Oakley 50-8. to It'll be a very different looking game this time around as oakley's got so many players that were injured and beat up earlier this season they're back on the field and you look at it an impressive win against prairie last week 26 to 22 valley squeaked by wilder 42 to 40 you saw both of these games i think the 1a d1 classification had as good a football as any ranks at idaho last weekend
0: Boy, I mean, both of those games, the Prairie-Oakley game and the Valley-Wilder game were as good as it gets. I mean, it came down to the wire in both of them. Uh, Let's talk about the Valley-Wilder game for just a second here. I mean, Wilder... Uh, credit to them they weren't given much respect in the media poll or the coaches poll this year and they did everything they gave valley everything they could handle i mean that Val- wilder was driving they're down to about their nine yard line i believe if i can remember correctly and they threw an interception at the goal line on a play that a lot of uh, a lot of offensive coordinators would have called just a quick slant uh, to the inside right along the goal line seeing if you could get in there and that was as good of a game as you will see. There were some standout performances. Valley stood just a little bit taller. Jason Hardy, the quarterback for Valley, also came away with the uh, game-sealing interception uh, on the afternoon. I mean, he played well. Zach Gomez played extremely well. Nick Anderson and Alex Corum played uh, very, very well and had big impacts in that ball game. And then you go to the Oakley side, the Oakley-Prairie contest, where, as you mentioned, you know they've had a ton of injuries this year Had Oakley. And they got some of those kids back, and they played extremely well. Jake Pulsifer was one that was certainly was going to be keyed on you know for his versatility. He had four touchdowns in the state quarterfinals uh, against Idaho City in a myriad of ways. Uh, you look at Chandler Jones, who stepped in under center he's normally a wide receiver, but he stepped in under center to replace Tate Cranny, who's basically done for the year, although for with uh, various knee injuries, although he did play some snaps uh, in spot duty uh, but uh Chandler Jones played extremely well. He handled the pressure relatively well. Uh, Austin Bedke and Josh Nyman were the big uh, players in the run game to look for. And, uh, you know, Bedke went out for a little bit. He had a, what looked like some serious cramping happening happening in his legs uh, that forced him out for a little bit. He eventually did come back. And, you know, they ran for hard yards. They set the tone on defense. Uh, this is going to be a lot different football game than it was earlier this year when Valley won 50-8. to 8. There's no way that that happens again, in my opinion. I don't see a 42-point blowout. I see this being a very, very close contest this year, kind of like what we expected that first game to be, not knowing about the Oakley injuries. I think this is going to be a lot better football game this time around.
1: So prior to going fully in-depth on this game, I want to take away something I thought was pretty cool from that Oakley-Prairie game last week. He mentioned their quarterback, Tate Cranny, is out for the season. But they suited him up, and he was able to head out to the field. Final play of the game, he took the knee and then celebrated the win with his teammates. I thought that was a really cool gesture from their coaching staff, Cade Craner, and everybody else, that, thought that through and came up with the idea he's a player that's meant so much for the program and he's just been so beat up in his high school career with injuries and uh, it's good for that to as as they mentioned you know kind of be the the final memory that he has on the field rather than Oh boy, that stinks! I got hurt the last play, uh, and I never got to suit back up again and go out there with my teammates. This way, you know, he was able to celebrate with all of his guys.
0: Yeah, and that was that was cool. And you know what? It's actually interesting because Jones, Chandler Jones, got uh, either got his helmet ripped off or he got hurt. I can't quite remember what it was. It was in the second or third quarter, and they actually brought Tate, Tate Cranny in to run a play uh, since he had to go off. Since Jones had to go off or that one play, I think it was he, his helmet came off on the field, so he had to go off. So they brought in Tate Cranny uh, under center to run the play, and he just handed it off. He didn't do anything special or anything like that, but it was cool for him to be able to actually be in there as well and to be able to see that because, you know, I mean, and that, and that goes with any, with any high school kid. They don't want it to end at all. And so for him to actually be able to play what ended up being a, a relatively key part of the ball game, you know, that was certainly nice to be able to see.
1: And if there's anybody that's familiar with the guy that is going to take the snaps under center in this state championship game in Chandler Jones, it's the Valley Vikings. Nobody wants to face Chandler Jones. He's such an athlete he can do a little bit of everything and he makes the hornets offense really dangerous valley last week gave up 40 points to wilder and here this week you know they're going to go into practice and they're going to clamp down these guys are going to put defense right at the forefront of what they do this week and i think jason hardy getting that interception that won them the football game on that pablo martinez pass with 18 seconds left is kind of a good way to kick start into this week to say hey look Defense can win games because the defense could have very well lost them that game. If that Wilder throws one in the end zone, they catch it. They're going to win. And the Wilder Wildcats are having a state championship game over at Middleton High School probably this week. But instead, Valley just they found a way. And uh, you know, it it wasn't I don't think exactly what they may have expected at the beginning of the week. But they came in there and they won the game. So at the end of the day, I don't think anybody cares. It's just you got to get step by step by step and they've got the first couple of steps complete now they've got one more
0: well i think they're going to be ready i'll I'll, I'll say that i think they i mean obviously these two teams are very familiar with one another they know each other's style of play they know the personnel that are going to be presented before them when it comes time to actually get on the field it's just going to come down to execution who can execute the most who can execute more often than not And, and you know that both teams are going to focus heavily on defense, obviously. They're going to focus heavily on being able to execute uh, plays. You, you, maybe you'll see some plays get thrown in there that are prepped just for the state championship game solely because the other team knows the other each other so well. And so this will be a battle. This will be a war. And this will be a very, very fun football game. At least that's what I'm expecting.
1: And a defensive player I want to note for the Valley Vikings was Colin Taverdi. He had 12 tackles and a sack last week in the victory for the Vikings. As we move down to the 1A D two classification, just like 1A D one, it's going to be all District 4 in the state championship game. Lighthouse Christian defeated Sam Minerva forty to 26 last week, and Kendrick over Kerry eighty to 36 so lighthouse christian and carrie the first game of state championship week will take place on thursday at seven o'clock inside of holt arena again this is one of those games they played each other once already this year Carey handled them but that was i believe game one of the season and now we're all the way last game of the year they played a bunch of games in between you know teams gel and they improve and you know I think that this is going to be a different Lighthouse Christian team than Carey saw earlier this year. That's the simple way to look at it. But you also have to look at it. It's going to be a different Carey team than Lighthouse saw. So this is a very tough matchup for Lighthouse Christian. Uh, But I think that this is probably the team that can give Carey the best run at things just because they've seen them before. There's familiarity there.
0: Yeah, agreed. And anytime you have familiarity, it helps you to game plan a little bit more. You know how we... Tend to say there's a feeling out period, especially in the first quarter, uh, when it's two teams who have not played each other and they try to sort of sort things out and figure out what the other team's trying to do. Now I think they're going to they're going to head head into this football game and go full steam because they already know what both teams are going to do. Kind of the same thing with Oakley and Valley. It's going to be the same way. Both teams know exactly the style of play that's coming at them and they'll be ready for it. And uh, you know Lighthouse Christian, I mean credit to them, they've continued to battle following their loss to Carry. Uh, earlier this year, and they uh, played very, very efficiently last week against Salmon River, Uh, and, you know, they ended up coming away uh, with a two-touchdown victory, and in the end, you know, for for Lighthouse Christian, they're going to pose a problem here for Kerry. Kerry is going to have to come up with a game plan to try to slow them down, and you know that uh, Lane Kirkland and crew in carry uh, will certainly be ready for that opportunity.
1: The Panthers are the defending 1A D2 state champions, and in their matchup, the battle of number one versus number two unbeaten teams with the Kendrick Tigers, they led for all but 26 seconds of the game, and this one was never close. And It was thanks in large part to Hunter Smith, the quarterback, 244 passing yards, two touchdowns. Porter Mecham ran for 173 yards and four touchdowns. You could list off Carson Simpson. I was impressed personally with the carry defense. Porter Larna, two sacks. Dallant Park, five tackles and a sack. You know, kerry has got the Defending State Player of the Year in Porter Meekum. He's been impressive throughout the whole season, but they've had a lot of kids step up around him, and I think the future continues to be bright in Carey. It's just one of those programs that filters guys in, and they filter them in. It's kind of the, you know, Fruitland, Shelley, Highland of 182 football. That's what the Carey Panthers are.
0: Yeah, you can just always expect that, they, that they're going to have someone else step up, and they're going to be very, very good. And, you know, that's just just the way that you have when you have a – that's the way it is when you have a tradition, when you have a program in place from top to bottom, not just starting at the freshman level, but when you start, you know, in grid kid football and optimist youth football, you know, whatever it may be, whatever you call your youth football, when you can establish it at that level and slowly build it up and, you know, have those players rise up through the ranks. And, you know, I wouldn't expect anything different from Kerry. They seem to be there every – Single year, they've got a lot of weapons. As you mentioned, Porter Meechum uh, is the one that a lot of eyeballs go on to. But they have a lot of solid players. You know that that make a big impact in the games. You know Hunter Smith, Brigham Park, Carson Simpson, all those guys. They're gonna they're gonna have a big impact in the ball game, and it's just a matter of how do they how do they use how, how is it how is it that. Uh, Coach Kirkland uses them in a rematch against Lighthouse Christian because it's always more difficult to beat the same team twice in the same year.
1: And Lighthouse Christian got a really good test last week against Salmon River, and that's a game that can build some confidence. They were going against arguably the, the best, second best, whatever you want to call it, player in the state of Idaho for 182 football in Canyon Harper. He ran for 150 yards and two touchdowns. He broke his ribs during the game, which to me, the fact that he came in despite that is pretty incredible, and and then the the thing that we want to note for Salmon River's side of things, uh, their head coach, Charlie Shepard, this was his final game on the sideline. He is retiring from coaching that particular football team here and uh, will not be uh, on the sideline in Riggins anymore. It's going to be a different look the next time we see the Savages.
0: Yeah, it'll be a lot different. You know, Charlie Shepard has been synonymous with Salmon River High School, and, you know, we certainly wish him the best. I mean, we saw the accolades and... Uh, well wishes come in over uh, social media over the weekend when it was announced that he was done after, the, uh, after that game. And, uh, you know, he deserved every single one of them.
1: And as far as Lighthouse Christian goes, we want to talk about them, obviously. Colin Holloway. You know, five touchdown passes last week. And you saw that you can get a lot of different guys involved as well. Brandon Hauser and Tyler Muncy, they each caught a couple. I like the balance that this football team has between run and pass. And I think their defense is so improved. And that's something that's going to help them big time here in the state championship game.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. Colin Holloway had a good game. And here's the thing to remember. Holloway is a sophomore. He's 5'7". He's 120 pounds. Uh, he is not a big kid. But he can move on the football field. He has the ability to get around, to escape would-be tacklers, and to play very efficiently. And, uh, you know, there was, it, it was a battle. I mean, despite what the final score says, it was a battle between Lighthouse Christian and Salmon River. And he really did get the football well to Hauser and to Muncie, got them open in space and allowed them to be, an, to be athletes and to make plays out in the flats, along the sidelines, and they had a lot of success in that regard.
1: And you mentioned the five seven, one 120 pounds. I remember this year, I got the preview form back from Coach Holloway, and I saw that he listed out, I believe he listed out the heights and weights, and I thought, boy, this is incredible. Their starting quarterback is 5'7", and he played as a freshman. And then you go to watch him, I I don't know about you, but I never even once for a second thought about his size. He just plays bigger than that, I guess, because normally if you see a 5'7 kid, you're thinking, boy, why is Earl Boykins playing quarterback out there for the Lighthouse Christian Lions? But he does such a good job that the the size is really a a factor you don't even think of.
0: Yeah, you know, and size plays a big role. I mean, you hear about it all the time in the NFL. Oh, this guy's not big enough to look over the offensive line. Well, you know what, that applies in every single instance of, of football whether it be college or high school and you know he just made the he made the right plays you can tell that he's uh, that he's coached very very well and he knows exactly where to look and you know he played well enough to help get his team the victory on saturday so that'll be a big key too: is how does how does Kerry plan on shutting him down
1: so those are the six different state championship matchups that are going on from throughout the state and uh, you know we're really looking forward to covering them on idaho sports.com we'll have live and free audio broadcast for you wherever you may be tell your friends and family to follow along and do so with us here on idahosports.com. Well Matt, one more week of football and then it's on to basketball season. Should be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, it should be. We're very much looking forward to it. It's going to it's a good time of year.
1: Thanks for coming on this week. This has been the idahosports.com prepcast presented by Project Filter. Join us again next week here on idahosports.com.